Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and the Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from the Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. I always had a love-hate relationship with tests through school. It was either I was really nervous and sort of dreading it and I had prepared a lot and I wanted to do well, or there was sort of this carefree version of myself that considered it a good test of my own abilities. And it was sort of like, bring it. Go on. Give me that spelling test, Miss Elliot. <laughs> there I'd be uh, in my dirty tennis shoes with my half-sharpened pencil, just ready to crush it. <laughs> In college, I very briefly took a martial arts class. And the class right after ours was for the advanced belts. So the black belts, pretty much. And I was a white belt, obviously. And so sometimes they'd show up early and they'd help out with our class and, you know, be available to practice or whatever. And I noticed pretty quickly that none of the white belts would go over to spar with the black belts. But I thought that would be a pretty good opportunity because when else was I going to get a chance to spar with a black belt? So I started getting in the habit of going over there and asking if they would practice with me, whatever it was. We were trying to learn that class. I think most people would think that if a white belt goes over and practices with a black belt, they're probably just going to get their ass kicked. And I did. But the point is, I've learned things by being around them because. There were just ways that they did things that no one ever thinks to say. You sort of learn it by experience, by living through it. And so I absolutely just ended up on the floor a lot. But it was kind of the way I ended up on the floor. I was like, oh, they did that differently than I thought. I was supposed to do it or the way I was practicing it with the other white belts. There's something pretty valuable about getting your ass kicked every now and then. <laughs> Speaking of learning, today we're going to get the chorus's definition of learning and how learning works energetically here and also where they are. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterwards we will discuss. And for now, I give you the chorus. Let us begin easily today, for there is much yet left to describe to you, and there is much that we have already provided. Though you may think through with your mind the concepts 
that we have conveyed to you. In actuality, what you have also already received is an energetic communication that is many layers deep. Humans, in their limitation, receive information in a sort of one-dimensional fashion. That is, a concept is narrowed down to a very specific aspect of its original breadth and depth and expansiveness. And in that focus on the limited concept, you give yourselves partial understandings of what might be. And from that perspective, you give yourselves the experience of incomplete understandings. Here, by contrast, what you are experiencing is a kind of broader, deeper, and more comprehensive type of interaction. You may have noticed as you listen to us that there are sensations of ease or sensations of things making sense in a way that feels whole, complete, and relaxing. These things are not sensed by you by coincidence. Rather, it is in your energetic perception of the completeness of a frequency that you feel that relaxation. Said another way, your sense of ease is a reflection of your ability to sense this kind of energy. As we remarked upon last week, when humans learn, as you call it, you engage in a process of breaking down information or experiences or manifestations into more and more parts, categories, or pieces. As you do so, what manifests is a sensation of deeper understanding. That is to say that in taking apart a thing and getting to know all its pieces, you feel that your understanding is fuller, is more complete. We would suggest that that sensation, that feeling, is actually a reflection of the experience of breaking that thing apart, fitting into your concepts, your experience of limitation. For in breaking something apart, you undo the whole that it was when it first manifested, and you create segmentation differentiation, divergences in your understanding. Many of you have begun to notice this aspect of humanity, how much someone can take a meaning, can take an idea and break it apart and then usually critique parts and pieces of what someone had originally intended with their words. 
you may find that you are less and less interested in breaking things apart. You are less and less interested in categories, in labels, in specifics. This is a reflection of your expansion, of your expanding perspective, which is now preferring and moving towards whole and complete understandings of yourself, of the environment in which you live, and with others with whom you come into contact. In so doing, what you are really vibrating with is a loving perception, an allowing perception, where the more you accept and allow for this thing, this person, this aspect of yourself to come through exactly how it is, however it is, the more a growing understanding comes to you of that thing. There is no need, beloved ones, to break things apart in order to understand them. In fact, from our vantage point, that is a very human habit. For in the free-flowing energy of the universe, as all things are given to you instantly, as all questions are answered for you instantly, from our vantage point, it is by moving forward through the frequencies that your understanding grows. A human will stop and break apart and endlessly contemplate the existent manifestations and in so doing engages in an ongoing cycle of reevaluating the things that have already come to pass and in so doing limits the perception that would otherwise continue to come through to you and continue to grow your clarity about those things. So you see, it is very rarely that we will stay put. It is very rarely that we stop the flow of the energy to look at something. Rather, we continue to flow forwards in the acquaintance of that thing and in so doing, continue to know it more and more. You will find in the days to come that perhaps many topics in your life in which you felt stuck begin to move forward. That an idea, an answer, a pathway that you perhaps had not previously recognized will become apparent to you. And it will feel easier and easier to move through experiences that had otherwise felt redundant, stagnant, or cyclical. Be joyful over this growing recognition of yourself and the changes in the patterns of your life that you are not only experiencing, but becoming consciously aware of. We love you infinitely. And we will speak with you soon.
this time. Can you tell the difference? <laughs> Got a cup of tea here. I'm ready to hang out, talk about some expansive things. You know, it's interesting because in the beginning, I usually channeled at night or in the evenings. And not really by conscious choice and planning it. It was more that it was at the end of the day when everything was sort of winding down that I had the mental space again to wonder about things, to get curious about things, and then would have this urge, this desire to go connect and continue that conversation. And I asked them about this one time, and they said that there's a lot of belief systems about rest and about daytime and about nighttime. And so there's a lot of things that sort of wind down or are not active in the hours that are at the start of the day the early morning hours before the world sort of wakes up. And then the same is true at the end of the day. And I mean, this probably isn't very surprising to you because if you think of unusual experiences that people have, they usually don't happen at lunch. (laughs) It's not often on the way to get a burrito that you have some sort of really out of this world experience, right? It's usually in those sort of off times when nothing's demanding your attention and there's a space. There's a space to sort of soften your engagement in the game. So why would this be? I mean, in some ways, it's kind of obvious. We feel how we slow down at the end of the day or how we haven't quite yet sped up at the very start of the day. But energetically, what's happening there? And also, how does that relate to what the Course is talking about today when they're sort of pointing out how we learn? And this is, as usual, not a coincidence. We're on episode seven now. We've covered quite a few different topics from consciousness to our belief system complex to some of the beliefs in the complex. And now we're moving into energetic tools. The first of which being intuition, which we spoke about last week. Now I'm sure some of you had the sensation while listening to that podcast of, I get this. This makes sense. This is maybe broader than I had considered it to be, but I have felt this before. I know what this is. This is resonating with me. I have had experiences of intuition. And then you also might have had, after the podcast or sometime as you were reflecting on it, these sort of new questions that came up that wanted to dig into that topic further, right? You probably had more detailed questions about intuition after having heard that explanation So wait a second, is intuition this 
or is it that? Did that thing that I just feel, was that intuition? And how would I use intuition to achieve this thing that I've been working on? Or how could I integrate intuition more into my art or what I'm creating or my relationships, right? So the mind takes something, some expansive perspective, some new thing you just learned or some epiphany, and then sort of wants to start picking it apart. And this is an aspect of the limitations of our belief systems in that we think in order to gain clarity and understanding of a thing, we must dig into it further. And I don't mean to pick on science here, especially speaking as a technologist, because I spent many years doing this. But science is a very good example of this. When we find a new species, we typically dissect it. When we find a new theory in physics, we typically try to get more and more specific about how it works. There are many examples of this that come, you know, quite naturally even to children. If you watch a human child, a human child will smash something on the floor and look at it from all directions and then start to try and pull things off of it. So these beliefs are, as usual, largely unconscious to us that we are drawn to breaking things apart in order, we feel, to understand them more fully. And the Chorus is saying, we see that, we see that tendency in you all. And from our perspective, as usual, I guess you could say, we move in the opposite direction to better understand a thing. So as a new clarifying and expansive idea comes to them, they don't stop at that point. They don't stop and think about that thing. They don't mull it over for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) Instead, they stay receptive to the next aspect of that thing that will come through to them. We do have an example of this in human experience. And that is the idea of getting to know a person especially someone maybe that you're interested in romantically, is that you'll have a date with them or have an experience with them and you'll think about it afterwards and you'll probably scrutinize all the things that you said and that they said and what did it all mean. (laughs) But then there's another part of you that wants to show up and experience more of that person. There's an understanding that you can't just experience a person one time and then sit there and think about it and get to know that person better, right? There is a human understanding that in order to get to know another, you spend time with them and you allow more of that person to become known to you. And in that way, you sort of grow in your understanding of them and what they are. One of the more profound things that the chorus has said to me over the years that really hit a chord with me, particularly as a science-minded, analytical type of personality, 
was that knowing how a thing works, saying to ourselves, believing that we know how a thing works, is actually more limiting than when we don't. And I had to sit with this one for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. I still, I still think about it because it's pretty profound in terms of flipping on its head the way that we think about our existence here and our environment. Because what they're saying is that the more we mull it over in our minds, the more we are essentially boxing in that energy. We are shoring it up with our belief systems. And in so doing, we are limiting what else it could be or could become. So essentially, if you're looking at a thing and this thing just appeared and you have no idea what it is and you're like, I don't know what this is or how it works, there is still an aspect of it then that can continue to be created, continue to be manifested because there's an open doorway still to that connection to free-flowing energy by way of us saying, I don't know what it is. But the more we study it and the more we break it apart and the more we ratify and confirm amongst each other, ah, this is what it is and this is what it does and this is how it works, we are essentially limiting it. We are boxing it in with our beliefs and essentially making it impossible for us to perceive it as anything else. Our desire to make something known and defined is a reflection of the human way in which we limit the infinite in our perception. So I asked them once, I said, okay, so what happens if I manifest some amazing discovery, some amazing scientific discovery or invention or something like that? What would I do differently? How would I not limit that thing? How would I not crunch it down into my environment? And this is a little bit of a silly question because I'm asking it from within the game and there are so many unconscious beliefs that are driving that question itself. But they replied that you would simply stay present with that discovery and allow it to continually manifest anew in your perception rather than saying, it did this thing, it must be this done. I'll write it up in a paper. Let's take an example of this that's a little more day-to-day. So let's say you make a purchase. It's a car. It's a pair of jeans. It's the best pair of jeans you've ever found. It's the best car you've ever owned. And as you are experiencing that thing, inevitably, you find something about that thing that dissatisfies you. So we all know, eventually, the genes will wear out. Eventually, the car will develop a tick, a noise, a something that's not quite right. Now, we as humans, do we typically leave off of that 
and continue to wear those pants and continue to drive that car without thinking about it? Not exactly. We may avoid the thing, and in terms of constantly avoiding it, sort of energizes existence, but we'll get to avoidance in a later topic. But most of the time, when we start to find a thing that dissatisfies us, we inevitably will focus upon it. So now when you get in your car to drive every day, you hear the tick and you wonder what it is and you wonder what caused it and you wonder how long it's going to last and you wonder if it's going to go away and you think about it and think about it and think about it. You analyze it. You break it apart. What could it be? Could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? Could it be that? And energetically, what you have begun to do is break apart the manifestation of the car. The experience of that whole thing that came to you one day is now starting to break apart. And you see the steering wheel and the seat and the engine and the gas and this ticking noise and the tires that need to replace, right? Is you get to know them better. When you first walked up to the car, the car was like, this whole new car, yay. But the more time you spend with it, the more the individual components of the car become known to you and the more you begin to form opinions of those individual components and then the more you form opinions of those individual components, the more they sort of become that or the more you experience of that. So the ticking gets louder. The ticking won't go away. Now you're scheduling an appointment at the mechanics place for the ticking. You get it fixed. You pay some money. It goes away. A few months later, the ticking returns. You see what I'm saying? Somehow we form these relationships, this identity of pieces of the things that we interact with. The same would be true of the pants. Like at some point you picked them up off the shelf and they were a whole thing. They were new pairs of jeans. It was a new pair of jeans. And then as you wear them, you get to know that the zipper sometimes sticks or this pocket always folds up or it's always tight in the waistband at this certain point in the day or it doesn't quite roll up at the cuff the same way the other ones do. Nowhere in time did you consciously say, I'm going to take this whole manifestation and break it apart. This is driven by massive amounts of unconscious beliefs that we participate in here. It is simply the way a human interacts with manifestations in their environment. So now you can see the pertinence of the question when I was like, well, what would we do otherwise? How would I just drive a car and just let it be a whole car because I got to fill it up with gas and I, I got to change the oil. I mean, there are components that are part of how I understand the car, how I maintain the car and how I get it to run. And that's where they were sort of like, yeah, because you're still fully immersed in the game. But also Keep in mind this new and growing concept that these things can and do continue to manifest. Meaning a human sees a finite object. That's the car. That's it. 
When in reality, or from their perspective, this is all energy. And energy is always moving all the time. And so we think we go out and we found the car and we bought the car. And it's, it's a thing. It's a thing that has already manifested. It already manifested somehow as a car and it's done. What they're saying is, no, that's a human perception. And the human perception locks down the manifestation into this fantastic experience of limitation. But in reality, you're continuing to create the limitation by way of your belief systems and interacting with it. And that were you expanded into resonating with different beliefs, the experience of that car, the experience of those pants could go very differently. In fact, in an infinite universe of infinite possibilities, that car could transform into another car. That car could transform into something else. Did, if we had different beliefs about our ability to transform energy, right, that car would then be transformable. This concept is not far off from the law of attraction. I am a longtime fan of Esther Hicks and Abraham, the entity that she channels, entities, I think, that she channels, in which they talk about this aspect of how we create things and how we can sort of better consciously engage in the things that we would like to manifest in our lives. And one of the pieces of advice that I have heard them give is to have a rampage of appreciation, to sort of appreciate the things in your life, meaning put your attention upon, put your focus upon the aspects of the things around you that you like. And in doing so, you are having a conscious experience of choosing energetically those aspects. And as a result, you are much more likely to manifest more of those things that you like. This relates to the idea that you are constantly creating. You are constantly a source of incoming energy. You are an aspect of creation. And by our belief systems, by our choice to be unconscious to all of this and have this experience, we see a finite object when actually our belief systems are continually creating the experience of that thing. And so by being conscious of your appreciation for that thing, you can manifest in a way a different experience of that thing. I know there are things in your life that you have somehow remained appreciative of and somehow that thing continues to be awesome or also that you're having a really hard time with someone or a thing and then somehow you find a way to get humorous about it or to somehow lighten your frustration or your dissatisfaction with it. And then the things that would normally manifest and would dissatisfy you or frustrate you soften a little bit. That is experiences of awakening to the fact that it is partially your perspective 
that brings about the experience of the thing that you are interacting with. Now, speaking as a longtime listener of these sorts of messages about manifesting what you want in your life, I sort of feel the need to step on a little soapbox about this because (laughs) I, in my opinion, kind of sucked at it. I mean, I listened to all of these books and messages about control your thoughts, like think more positively. If you want a better life, like, you know, change the way you think, change the way you feel about something. And you know what? That's kind of fucking hard to do. Am I the only one that feels this way? I would just, I would start to think more positively about something and I would start to be like, yes. I am consciously creating more of what I want. And then inevitably, something else would manifest in my life that was totally not the direction that I wanted to head or not what I felt like I wanted it to be. And I'd be like, God damn, I need to control my thoughts better. But I thought I was. And I thought I was consciously manifesting. Right? Why isn't it that simple? Why isn't it? something that you can just learn. I learned the concept. I learned the concept. I totally believed. I totally grokked what she was saying. Makes sense to me. I will become more aware of what I'm thinking. I will choose friendlier, more loving, more appreciative thoughts. And that should, you know, work. So the chorus is kind of saying, well, not your fault. You are consciously becoming aware of the way that a human experiences your belief systems in which you will constantly be drawn to an urge or a tendency to break things apart and to find things that are displeasing to you to focus upon or fix. I've heard there's a There's an analogy called the broken tile or the broken tile syndrome. I believe this comes from Dennis Prager, where a human will walk into a room and see a floor full of beautiful tiles and their attention will be drawn to the one tile that's broken, right? You've experienced this too. We all have Yes, yes, the floor is beautiful. Yes, you appreciate all the tiles, but ooh, that one's cracked over there. Do you think we can pull it out and replace it? Do you think we can fix it? And it's not even on equal footing. It's not even like you feel equally about the beautiful floor as you do the cracked tile. It's that you just kind of really got to go address that cracked tile. That is an experience of limitation. By putting your focus upon the thing that is displeasing to you, as we talked about two weeks ago in the cyclical nature of our belief systems and our manifestations and the origins of karma, by being drawn to putting your focus on the thing that is displeasing to you, you will very naturally manifest more things that are displeasing to you more things that need to be fixed, more things that need to be broken apart, more things that are not understood yet, and that you need to spend more time on them, studying them in order 
to get to that understanding. I think now is probably a good time to bring in the concepts of focus versus attention. Because in terms of learning, focus is a big part of how humans learn. How many times growing up in school were you told to focus in your classes or on what you were doing? And the course expressed to me that the the difference energetically between those two things should not be underestimated. Because from their vantage point, looking at us, focus is actually a narrowing of our perceptions, a stripping out of even more aspects of what could be perceivable about an experience, a moment, or a thing, and instead narrowing down even further to the perception of a very particular aspect. So think about a time when you were told, focus, focus on what you're doing. And visualize or imagine what you did in that moment after you were told that. Your eyesight, your hearing, your whatever sort of narrowed in onto the thing that was in front of you. Maybe it was learning how to tie your shoes. Maybe it's studying for a big test. And what do you do? You tune out the rest of the environment and you narrow your perception down to the thing that you are trying to master. Now, by contrast, attention is really the opposite. From the vantage point of the chorus, attention is expanding outward into the fullness of what you are able to perceive. It's, it's pushing your consciousness, it's pushing your attention out to the furthest, the broadest, the most aspects or energies that you are capable of perceiving. So an example that they gave for this is imagine that you're driving in a car and you're sort of zoned out. You're kind of just driving on autopilot and then you hear a screeching noise and someone in the passenger seat who's riding with you goes, pay attention. In that moment, do you narrow your focus down to the steering wheel? Or do you sort of yank your head up, look around, listen for everything, check your mirrors, right? Do you sort of just broaden? You step into the present moment and you are ready to receive stimuli from any and everything that you can receive. What am I hearing? What am I seeing? What's going on? Does the car feel like it's moving off the road? What's happening? And they said that being attentive is actually a good example, a good demonstration of our blossoming ability to stay in the flow of a moment. Paying attention is a lot like the idea of being present. I know we've talked collectively about, about that often in recent, recent decades. This idea of if you could just stay in the moment. And I think that reflects a growing awareness of the turning of mind and how we can get so caught up in our head and sort of miss things 
that is an important recognition because that's a recognition of the energetic aspects of ourself that, hey, when I'm focused with my mind on something, I sort of miss some other stuff that's going on. So when you show up to have a conversation with a friend and you're already focused on what you need to talk about versus when you walk into the room and you are attentive to everything that's happening. Those are two very different perceptions of that moment and attentiveness, paying attention, is usually the broader aspects of that. It brings in more things. Okay, but nobody freak out (laughs) because I've been there and I've been like, okay, so then what else, what else do I do? Fuck, I've got all these belief systems and they make me look at broken tiles and wrinkles on my face and the things I'm dissatisfied with. And I want to think positively. I cover my walls and inspirational quotes about look to the things you appreciate. So... What do you do? And now, it's just barely six o'clock in the morning. Do I sound different? (laughs) I mean, I probably do. Nobody else is awake yet. The sun is not yet up. It's that time in the morning before things have really gotten fired up or started. And you're thinking, well, I'm glad you're back because you just laid out how learning and focusing is actually narrowing and putting up more of the limitation and how Humans have all sorts of belief systems to look for the incomplete. To seek out the thing you don't know. To keep sort of attacking it. It's not yet known. I got to figure it out. It's not yet known. I got to figure out. To pick out the flaws. And so it might feel a little futile. At times. How else on earth do you learn? You move forwards. Why don't you come over here and sit next to me? And we're going to watch the sun come up together. It's these beautiful blues and golds and pinks. And still faintly see stars at the other horizon. Start to hear the birds. Starts to light up. And I'll ask you a question. I'll say, do you see anything that you need to fix about the sunrise? And you look at me and say, no. I mean, it's a beautiful sunrise. And I say, huh, interesting. You know, going back to that that Abraham thing, do you think that uh, 
those loving and expansive beings didn't didn't know that humans have all these belief systems about incomplete. Do you think they, they didn't know that? And so they sort of gave us faulty advice about rampages of appreciation and directing your life consciously and choosing. Because, I mean, didn't they know what we were up against? Or is it possible that because of the perspective that we are coming from, we manifested an experience of incomplete even from really expansive and loving advice. They highlighted our choice, our conscious choice that we can make in directing our life in sensing energy and sensing the things that we prefer and love. And maybe, just maybe, because we're human, we found in that a message about needing to be pleased with more things than we actually are. And we hear, be positive, control your thoughts. And we say, okay. And then we walk into the room and we see the broken tile. <laughs> But then we don't want to think bad thoughts. We don't want to think negative thoughts. So we go, oh, the floor looks so great. And, you know, it was done really nicely. And it's the color I want. And I, I, I'm not going to pick on this negative time. But I, I just, is there, is there maybe a way we could fix it? I mean, the whole floor is beautiful. I love the floor. And we say to ourselves, God, be positive. Stop looking at the thing that's broken. Have you ever put this pressure on yourself? Have you ever heard the advice, love something about it or find things to appreciate? Find things to appreciate, meaning go look for them. Evaluate and rummage and say, Yes, I like this thing. And I think that is the most important difference between finding something that is pleasing to us, trying to think about what we like versus loving unconditionally. And you'll say, Katie, how the heck does loving unconditionally have anything to do with learning? Well, in the last few weeks, we very subtly brought up this idea a few times in the form of love or trust. And a few weeks ago, we mentioned that love, that sensation that we feel when we are in love with something, with someone, that sensation that we call love, 
from the viewpoint of the chorus, they call a momentary cessation of participation in our five senses belief system. It is a momentary pause or a momentary stepping out of the belief system activity and dynamic action. All that judging and thinking and seeking out the incomplete that our belief system is constructed to have us do for the experience of limitation. And when you love someone or something, that experience is one of allowance. You are not rebuffing the energy. You are not thwarting it. You are not hammering it down into further and further specificities. You're receiving everything that that person is. You are enjoying everything that that person is exactly as they are. When you are in love with someone or something, you might notice a broken tile. But from that vantage point, it's part of a complete package, a whole thing, a whole person, a whole personality that you find delightful. There's no analysis. There's no breakdown of their parts. You receive them in a whole sort of way. The chorus said earlier that they don't stop in the flow of a thing and look down at specific aspects of it and stare at it and think about it in order to understand it. They move forwards. We have touched on this very subtly as well in recent weeks. The idea that when you move down the road a certain distance, from things that you have experienced and you look back in time at other points in your life, those experiences will take on new meanings and new perspectives and you will understand them in a different way. It is this direction, you could say. It is this aspect of flowing and moving forwards that brings them to an expanded understanding of something. From their standpoint, there is no need for a concept that we have called learning where we identify that there's something that we don't understand and we start trying to bring it about through physical means of studying and picking apart. Rather, they view sort of this concept of learning as simply expanding, as simply continuing to move forwards or continuing to allow more of that thing, more of that new friend, more of that relationship, more of that experience to continue to flow to you. And the best and fastest way to do that is to allow it to be whatever it is, including sometimes 
unknown. So when Esther and Abraham said, appreciate, find things to appreciate, the power of appreciation, the power of choosing how you feel is real. There are two ways we could have heard that. Perhaps you can understand now how from the human perspective, it is not surprising that we heard that advice and felt like we needed to find pleasing things in our environment. (laughs) So you look around and you say, oh God, that thing is driving me nuts, but I should I should, I should, I should think more positively about it. I should think more positively about everything. I should list all the things I like about this other stuff. Instead, I'll think positively about that stuff since I can't think positively about that thing. And in our efforts are not often insignificant efforts. I mean, we really try to be positive and appreciative. In a way, what we are doing is activating judgments and evaluations to find things that are pleasing to us. And the more we try to find things that are pleasing to us, the more we are energizing the fact that we're not seeing them. So the more and more you try to be positive and recognize that you're not, the more and more you are actually energizing the experience of needing to be positive. And the universe will provide you with an ample number of things that you need to get positive about. Now, if you use the slightly different definition of love from the chorus, that idea that it's a softening or a momentary stepping out of the dynamic action of judgments, love and appreciation take on that unconditional aspect. They take on that letting it be whatever it will be. It feels more like receiving a wholeness of something, of someone, and not needing to really worry about what you like and what you don't, but simply stepping into a presence and attentiveness to what that thing is and all the aspects of it that are still flowing to you. I want to share with you something now that I think you'll understand more than had I shared it earlier, which is after years and years of having conversations with the chorus, it started to become more and more apparent to me. I started to get more and more of an intuition that there would come a time when it would be sort of my role to share these things with others. (laughs) And I said, 
hang on, my fellow humans have colossal galactic beliefs that cause them to limit. And some of those beliefs have to do with needing to break things apart and seek out the experience of incomplete. And you want me to teach these people things? I have a lot of respect for you guys, but uh, I'm getting the sense that I'm not being exactly set up for success here. (laughs) And you know what they said? They said, these frequencies are a choice and that we are and have been awakening and that we couldn't even have just had this conversation about what we do, about our tendencies, about how we quote unquote learn, unless you and I had already slightly expanded off the game and are turning around and looking at it and saying to each other, look at that. That was what that experience was. That's how we did that. And so they told me there are times and days when your words will be experienced from that more expanded perspective. And it will be a powerful example of those expanded frequencies. And then, inevitably, there will be times when your words are reflected upon from the vantage point of a game piece within the game. And they will have experiences of feeling limited even from the perspective of viewing advice, words, concepts that came in from much broader frequencies. They'll have both. And they said, the point is not to awaken. The point is not to save someone or to convert them or to convince them of these other concepts. The experience is simply an energetic one to simply try out feeling more expansive frequencies to decide what they like about that and to continue to walk down each of their own paths however they want to do that. And then I said, okay, so if they don't really need me, if their expansion is assured, then why then do I get the sense that I'm going to be talking about this? And then I realized, you know, I'd probably do it even if nobody showed up. (laughs) I'd probably talk about this stuff all the time even if nobody really listened. Because I love these frequencies. I love this experience. It's my way of moving forwards. Each time I talk about this, each time I trust a little more and let a little more out, 
I expand in my understanding of these things and what happened. Surprising as it may be, I do not show up at the mic at six o'clock in the morning with a plan and an agenda. I sit down to feel these things and to feel them and to try it out. Somewhere out there is your perfect understanding of the things that you hold in your hands today. Now, we know what that is when you feel an urge to stare at them, to study them, to pick them apart, to mull them over. We know what that is now. And you can. Or now, you have brought to your consciousness this idea that if you continue to move forward, in the perception of those things, if you allow them to be whatever it is they are and are going to be, that sense of complete understanding that you desire will flow to you perfectly. And from that vantage point, from that energetic place, you will find a completeness not only in the things that you are looking at and desiring to understand, but most especially in an understanding of yourself. The love, the allowance, the appreciation will grow within you day by day, truly like a rampage. The sun's coming up now. I'm ready to get going and moving forward. Are you? much for listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information, check out our website at katieandthechorus.com. There you will find show quotes, episode transcripts, details on our book, The Book of Human Awakening, as well as our newsletter sign up. Visit katieandthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.